0: You're listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. For more information, please visit our website at everynationgta.org. Advent really is a very significant time for the church. In fact, the church calendar starts in December, not in January, when, when all of our other calendars start. And so it starts with the story of Jesus. And, and part of doing this every year, you know that right now novelty is a, is a big thing, right? We want the new, we want the insight, we want the creative, and there's a place absolutely for that. Um, but yet there's also a part of the familiarity that anchors us, that roots us, and part of entering into the church's um, calendar gets us anchored and rooted in these stories that become familiar to us, that become formate, form, uh, formative to us, if you will. And so we kick off the year uh, being shaped by the story of how Jesus comes into our world. And so as we get into it today, uh, I wanted to maybe ask you a question, and um, and what makes Christmas Christmas for you? What makes the Christmas season for you? Uh, For some of us, um, and for many of us, we come from different parts of the world, um, as is a lot of the story of people in our city, Toronto, Um, and some parts of the world that you come from Christmas begins in the 1st of September, all the Burmans, and so that's the kick of the season. So um, honestly, what I'd say that is, um, respectfully, you're wrong. Uh, Here, we're kind of still holding on to summer in September, so there's no ways that that could be Christmas. But maybe it's a certain date for, for our neighbors in the south. It's like you can't put up your Christmas tree before Thanksgiving. It's just wrong. There's uh, this judgment held if you put up your Christmas tree before American Thanksgiving. Uh, so for many of you, maybe it's December. That becomes what Christmas begins to feel like for you. For, for some of us, it's, it's traditions, right? Maybe there's certain traditions that you do or hold as a family that kicks in Christmas for you. Maybe it's going back to your childhood or whatever it is. For others of us, it's hearing certain music. God forbid it would be Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas. But maybe it's music. For me, that's a big part of it. Uh, One of my favorite Advent albums is um, a one-man band called Future of Forestry, which is a poem that was written by C.S. Lewis, a very interesting name for a band, but uh, he has an Advent album, and when I play that, I was playing it on the way in here this morning. That really, it gets me into Christmas, if you will. Maybe it's food. Uh, Or maybe it's movies, right? We love movies. We have certain movies that we maybe go back to time and time again. I'm going to show you all my favorite stuff today. One of my favorite movies it has been one of my favorite Christmas movies for the last six or seven years. I watch it religiously with my son as we lead up to Christmas. And we actually haven't watched it yet, so that tells you we're not fully in the Christmas spirit. It's Arthur Christmas. And uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, I'd encourage you to do it. Um, It actually has a little cameo appearance for Toronto in this movie. Um, and so that's kind of fun. But that's uh, what makes us feel like it's Christmas. So what is it for you? Maybe right now it's, um, it's been very gloomy, right? I think we've had one day of sunshine in the longest time. Um, this time of year, um, we know, sad, it becomes seasonal um, affective disorder that really affects a lot of people. Just the, the lessening of the sunshine that physically affects our bodies, the colder temperatures, the winter Maybe it's the Christmas is a season that's hard for us. Maybe this is the first season that you're without someone who's significant or far from someone who's significant. And so this season is complex. It's a complicated, it's hope, joy, peace, love, but at the same time, it's also um, can be a hard time for for a lot of people. And so I want to jump in today with just a, a really, I'm really trying to just do a short reflection today. Um, We really enjoyed a long and good service uh, yesterday, uh, last Sunday. Um, But today I want to just really reflect on and just get back to the story of Christ in some way. Um, So I'm a words person. I love words. A big part of my job is writing words, speaking words, uh, reading words, listening to words. And so um, the Word of the Year, at least for the uh, Merriam-Webster Dictionary, the word of the year. Does anyone know what the word of the year came out this week? I heard on the radio. The word of the year for the Merriam-Webster Dictionary. In other words, this is the word that's been looked up the most uh, this year for this particular dictionary, Merriam-Webster Dictionary. Does anyone know what it is? It is, yes, Sheila knows what it is. It is the word authentic. That is the word of 2023. I find this fascinating. Okay, and you're like Richard. You need to get a life. If you find words fascinating, <laughs> I find it fascinating that our word, that our, the world is looking up the word authentic. And Merriam-Webster defines this as not false, not imitation, real, actual, true. And uh, they actually have a few others uh, that came in in close categories. Some of the deep fake, dystopian. Um, it kind of gives you a picture of where our world is at right now. Um, and I think the, ad, the, the the rush of technology, particularly artificial intelligence. Um, is questioning what what, what is true? What, what can I trust if I go onto the internet? Can I trust that that's actually the person said that? Was that just a soundbite or did artificial intelligence recreate that? And I think it's just really interesting to me in a world that kind of wants to abandon any kind of sense of absolute truth is really looking for what is authentic, what is real. And we'll see it like, what is your authentic self? It's a really an encouraging thing at the moment. Like Find out what you do you, you be you, live your authentic reality. And so I, um, if just as an aside, if you looked at the Oxford English Dictionary, which is a very popular English dictionary, their word of the view is a little different. It's the word riz. All right, so for all the older people, who have no idea what that means. Find a young person and ask them what Riz means. And so I thought, like, that. but I, I thought it's going to be easier to preach of authentic than Riz. So we're going to go with authentic today. Uh, so this message we call an authentic Christmas, and we're going to reflect on Luke chapter two. It's it's a familiar story uh, at Christmas time. We'll probably read it again in, in our Christmas Eve service. But eight verse fourteen, and then just um, four short reflections, it, and then we'll will um, we'll continue into uh, worship. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. An authentic Christmas, a sincere, a true, getting back to basics, if you will, Christmas. Uh, And it starts with shepherds. And I find this interesting that the angel brings such a weighty announcement, an announcement that literally is going to change the course of history. In fact, when you write the date or sign the date this week, you're acknowledging this very moment. The birth of Christ literally divides history. We know it before Christ and after Christ. And he comes and the, the heavenly host announces it to shepherds. Now, at the time, if you were a shepherd, it was seen as a lowly occupation, It's kind of looked down upon. In some instances, shepherds weren't really trustworthy. Could you trust them? And significantly, uh, in the Jewish community, if you were a shepherd, that work often made you ceremonially unclean. In other words, it excluded you from a lot of the religious uh, festivals, a lot of the religious rituals, because you were working... with animals that made you ceremonially unclean. So think about being in shepherd's shoes, feeling of feeling this kind of outcastness from society, looked down upon, marginalized. You're out in the field, kind of alone, and this angel arrives. And so, what that might what might that tell us just about God? It might tell us that God really seeks us out. That God really comes to us versus us coming to him. And so Christmas, firstly, reminds us that God's grace meets you, meets me, meets us, where we're at. It's really important to remember that. Uh, maybe even coming to a service like this. Maybe maybe you're invited by someone. Maybe it's been a while since you've been in a church service like this. And maybe what went through your mind coming to this service is this, is trying to get ready and prepared or trying to put your life together a little bit in order to at least uh, acknowledge God. And so that comes from a, a sincere place, I believe. But when we think that we're going to get our lives together and present it to God, and God's going to be that amazing, then I think we misunderstand just what our significant problem is and the sense of separation between us and God. And yet God is not standing there upstairs, you know, like you do what you need to do to get me. I'm not coming to you. God comes. And God comes to shepherds. God loves the marginalized. God loves the the underdog. God loves the outcast. God loves the people that even the religious community has forgotten about. What a gracious God. You know, this is unprecedented in other religions. You know, a lot of religions will tell us, you need to do this, this, and this. Pray this many times a day. Observe this festival. Do that. Make a pilgrimage here. You know, meditate. Do all the things that you need to do to present yourself pleasing. To God. Christianity has value in doing things like that, but not to get to God. The Christmas story, the authentic Christmas story, reminds us that God comes to us. God comes to us. His grace meets us where we're at. And then it goes on, and this angel comes to these shepherds and it tells us, he says, Don't be afraid. This is good news. There's the word gospel in that, it's the word we get from evangelism. This is good news. And so Christmas is a good time to remember that it's good news. I mean, even if you are being affected in negative ways, and emotionally it's a hard time of year, it's a reminder that Christmas is a time of good news entering into darkness, good news entering into a a feeling of oppression, of crying out to God. And so he brings this good news, or the angel brings this good news, and it says it's good news of great joy, for all people. And so this good news is universal. This good news is for every person that's breathing, that's made in the image of God. This good news is not just for a particular class of people. This good news is not just for a particular skin tone or an ethnic uh, community. This is good news for all people and it's good news that brings great joy. This is the gospel message. It's universal. Also, he gives us some very practical detail. He says, today, a Savior will be born to you in the city of David. And so we know, if you read early in the chapter, that today, at the time, Caesar Augustus was the emperor of Rome and Quirinius was the governor of Syria. What on earth does that detail have to do? That this is not some today in Never Never Neverland, some galaxy far, far away in Middle Earth. This is not some fable of fiction. This is a historical reality that historians regardless of belief or anti-belief acknowledge that a historical moment that this good news has rooted in history not rooted in fable not rooted in something that's make-believe it's rooted in history and then that this gospel is also personal it says that this savior is born to us the messiah the christ The Lord, these are titles for the birth of Jesus. This is titles for who Jesus represents. Savior bringing salvation, that we're in need of rescuing. We're in need of someone to save us. What might you and I look to today for a Savior? We look to many different things to save us. We look to the economy to save us. We look to our job or career to save us. We look to a romantic partner to save us. We look to family to save us. We look to a number of really good things. Some of those things are, are great gifts of God, but when we put the weight of salvation upon them, they will crush us in and, and our disappointment. God is the one that saves us. And so secondly, Christmas reminds us God's gift to us is Jesus. It's a person, a historical person that has universal implications for you and I. God's gift to us isn't just a book of principles. Bible contains many great principles. We'd be wise to live by them. But that's not primarily what God gifted us at Christmas. God gifted us his very self. And so Christmas reminds us, not only does God's grace mean us where we're at, but God's gift to us, his gracious gift to us, is Jesus. And the angel goes on to say, uh Here's the sign. Here's the sign that you know that it's been born. And so (laughs) it's kind of staggering how quickly we go from this like momentum, like angel. I don't know when last an angel appeared to you. It's been a while since this happened to me. Um, But that's a significant moment right there. I'm so much so that they're terrified. It's an app response, by the way. Okay. It's like an app. Like sometimes you ask people, like, hey, what would you do? If you had a conversation with God. Well, I would bring out my list and tell them all the things I think he messed up. I don't think you're going to be doing that in front of the glorious presence of God. I think you might have a different different disposition. They're terrified. This is God's glory. And so we go from God's glory. They're terrified. Don't be afraid. I've got a worldwide implication message for you of good news, great joy. And now we get very practical. Verse 12 says, this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying. In a manger. So this amazing plan of salvation, this great good news of great joy for all people, is going to be in a onesie in a manger. Like the the contrast is staggering to me. Like the glory of God in very humble circumstances, you're going to find this baby wrapped uh, in in a onesie in cloths, which was pretty normal, in a manger, which was pretty abnormal, uh, even for that time. It's pretty abnormal to find uh, a baby uh, in a manger. And so what might this tell us? Well, this might remind us that Christmas uh, reminds us that God rewards those who seek him. The angel said, you will find. How many stables do you think that they had to go to to find the one that contained a manger with this baby in? Probably not the first one. I mean, that would have been amazing, but probably not. I mean, Bethlehem wasn't a big city, so probably not a ton of, but there was probably a handful that they probably went to. And so Christ reminds us that hey, God comes to us. God's grace comes to us. God meets us where we're at. But There's also something of us to reach out to him. And he's, they, the angel said, you will find, you will find this precious, universal, glorious gift but you're going to need to dig a little bit. You're going to need to find it out. And it's going to be in a very obscure place, a very um, unexpected place. And so Christmas reminds us that God rewards those of us who seek him. And I don't know where you're at right now. Maybe life is going really good for you. Maybe it's a little bit more difficult to seek out help and life is going good. It feels like you're in control. But I feel like the majority of people that I interact with, majority of people in our church... We're not in that place. We have a very big sense like the world is in a very fragile place. The world is in a very broken place. The world is in a very hard place. Life is hard for many. If it's not us, we know people that life is very hard and affects us. And so there is a sense of of crying out to God. And Christmas reminds us that when we seek God, when we put in a little bit of that effort to seek out the Savior, to seek out this Christ, this Messiah, to seek out this Lord, God rewards us by bringing him to us. And then finally, it says that suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts, thousands upon thousands of angels gathered around, appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those who on whom his favor rests. Uh, today we lit the candle of peace. Um, we sang a song, O come, O come, And um, right now in our world, we're very aware of conflict, very aware of war that's happening, uh, very aware of the precarious situation hundreds of thousands of people are in because of war that they didn't start. We're very aware of these things. And it seems seems, I don't know, it seems to me superficial to talk about peace, right, when we're pretty much in, in an air-conditioned comfort of Innes town Hall, but peace, peace is layered, it's not just the absence of conflict, which is a big part of peace, but the Bible speaks of peace in a much deeper and richer way, throughout the Old Testament, a beautiful world called Shalom. And it has this idea of not just the absence of conflict, which is, you know, a big part of it, but it's more the presence of something. It's the presence of completeness. It's the presence of wholeness. It's the presence of harmony. In a way, shalom is how God intended the world to be. Us in harmony with him, him in harmony with us, us in harmony with one another, and creation. It's Genesis 1 and 2, shalom. It's a picture of shalom, of human flourishing, of harmony. And ever since Genesis 3, we've lacked that in some form. Maybe we have it externally, but we lack it internally. Maybe we have it internally, but we lack it externally. And it feels like it's always elusive to us in some form or shape or in some level. And so peace may mean different things to different people right now. Peace to a mom may mean something very different to a student and very different to a country that's at war. And so peace, the peace that we're looking for is not just the absence, but it's the presence of something greater. And so Christmas reminds us that God's glory, glory to God in the highest, and our peace, peace on earth, are intricately connected. The peace that you and I long for, the peace that nations long for, ultimately comes as we acknowledge the glory of God of God. As we come and begin to discover who this gift of Jesus is, not just some fairy tale, not just something we do at Christmas time, but something that literally has implications if it's true, far-reaching implications for us and for nations. That this peace that Jesus in other parts of scripture is called as the prince of peace. That peace again is not in not in a principle, not in some it's embodied in a person, as we behold the glory of that person of that Jesus, there's something of a connection to that and our peace, regardless of maybe its absence in our world. At least that we can have peace with God, peace, peace within ourselves, and then hopefully we can be an agent of peace within the world. And so Christmas reminds us of that connection. And not just the connection with peace, as we look at if if our heart is longing, if you and I want to experience the hope, the peace, the joy, the love of God, then we must embrace the God of hope, peace, joy, and love. And his name is Jesus. And he comes to us in unusual and unexpected ways. But if we seek him out, if we cry out to him at this Christmas time, God rewards us by coming in and moving in into our lives in a way that uh, this world really cannot offer. It's beyond what this world is can offer. And so Christmas time, this this advent time is a time to reflect upon that. And and I know it's busy for a lot of people as parties and Christmas parties and work parties and social parties and, and this and that. And it's it's a crazy time of year. But my prayer is that between now and two weeks' time, which is when Christmas is happening. So hoping not to panic you there, but it's fourteen days, right? My prayer is that we would catch a moment to be able to really reflect on what an authentic Christmas really means for me. Perhaps it's not found in the shopping that's been encouraged or the family that we're going to visit, the important part, or just the carols we're going to sing, the traditions we're going to enter in, the songs we're going to sing. They can all add significance to it. An authentic Christmas begins with this very unusual and almost extraordinary story of a baby being born in Bethlehem historically that has implications of great joy for all people everywhere. That means you, that means me, that we're in this story. God had you and I in mind in this story. And so may this Christmas be a time of where you and I experience the authentic meaning of Christmas for you and for our world. Let's pray and invite uh, Jacob to take us back into another song of worship. So, Father, we are grateful. We are thankful. Why don't we stand as we do this, by the way? I pray for many of us that the, maybe the familiarity of this season just gets lost in us. Uh, we've just had too many Christmases. Maybe it's a hard time for some of us. And, and God, you know that. Um, but I pray somehow, somewhere, that you would break through, even for those that struggle with this time of year. God, that amidst all the frenzy that goes on, God, that we return to what is true, um, what is real, what is authentic. And God, that you have given us a gift, that you have sought us out. You have come to us primarily. Your heart is to move towards us, regardless of where we find ourselves. Just like those shepherds, Lord. That you come to us with a gracious, incredible gift of yourself in Jesus Christ. And that through that gift, the implications of great joy for all people everywhere. And that, Father, as we behold your glory, that we really truly can experience the peace, the hope, the joy, the love. That you desire for us, even amidst a world that is absent with those things. And so I pray that this Christmas, this Advent, as we build up, Lord, through your Son Jesus Christ, it would become real and meaningful and significant to us in a way possibly that we've never experienced. And that that would all happen for your glory and then our joy, peace, hope, and love. In your name we pray this. Amen. You've been listening to a message from Every Nation GTA. Thanks for joining us. For more information, visit our website at everynationgta.org.